to me it sounds like cheap trick so yeah, i like it yeah ken mills loves the new cheap trick <laughs> album bang zoom crazy hello damn loves straight. it damn straight <clears throat> all right it's time for some cheap talk you're listening to trick chat And with that familiar music, you know you are listening to your Cheap Trick Podcast. I'm Ken Mills, and as always, I'm joined by BJ Cramp, our reluctant host. Hello, BJ. Hello there. And returning to the show, the ever-effervescent Michael Butler. Hey, thanks for having me on the show again, you guys. I appreciate it. From the Rock and Roll Geek Podcast, correct, sir? That's close enough. Well, tell folks where they can find you. It's rockandrollgeek.com. All right, excellent. Today we are talking about a brand new Cheap Trick album. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, please welcome to the stage the best fucking rock band you've ever seen. Cheap Trick. Hey, I'm Scott Borchetta, president of the Big Machine Records label group, and I'm here with Cheap Trick the latest and greatest members of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and wanted to tell everybody, Robin Zander, lead singer, what's the name of this new record? Bang Zoom Crazy Hello. There it is. And we've been working on so many cool things for all the fans of Cheap Trick. Bang Zoom Crazy Hello. So here we are. It seemed like it was never going to happen. It was a long time coming, but it sounds so sweet. Uh, here we are. And we're going to grade this album during our review on the Butler scale, correct? It's the Rock and Roll Geek scoring system. If we like it, give it a plus one. If it's okay, give it a half. If you don't like it, give it a zero. And then you tally it up. So for instance, this album has 11 tracks on it. If you like all songs on it, then you give it an 11 out of 11, which is a perfect score. These amps go to 11. And it's surprisingly scientific for such an unscientific scoring system. Very good. Well, let's talk about the cover. I guess we should get that out of the way. You can't judge a book by its cover or a CD by this cover. Or in, in some people's cases, the MP3 by the cover. So, Michael, what do you think of the cover? Uh, first of all, I have a question. Do you have any idea how they came up with the title? It, I, to me, it sounds like the first part would be the Honeymooners, Bang Zoom, and Jerry Lewis for the Hello, so I don't know. My guess is they just said, Julian Raymond probably said, or somebody in a meeting said, well, then what do you think we're going to call the album? Said, Why don't you guys just each say one word, the first word that comes to your mind? <laughs> and I came up with that word. That's just my theory. Well, wasn't it actually part of, uh, or actually wasn't the title of Long Time No See You originally, Bang Zoom Crazy Hello? Well, that was, when they were playing that song live, like last summer, that was what it was being referred to as, but I don't know if that came from the band or where, I don't know where that came from. But yeah, that is what that song was being called. What do you think you of know, the when it was being posted on YouTube and stuff? What do you think of that title for an album title? I don't think it's a. <laughs> I don't think it's a great album title. 
No, I, I was thinking. You know, I was thinking maybe they were trying to come up with a title on a couple different titles they had, where maybe Bang was one and Zoom was another, and then they just kind of, you know, turned it into this. I don't know. It sounds a little bit lazy to me. <clears throat> yeah, it's not a great album title from my point of view, or a great album cover. <laughs> when we're reviewing this, I'm gonna. It's gonna be very difficult for me not to compare, not to make comparisons, or not to. Uh, yeah, I guess make comparisons to Special One and uh, Self-Title, which I think are two brilliant albums, which you guys don't agree on both of those, but <clears throat> those are my favorite Cheap Trick, more recent albums. Mm-hmm. All them recent, 20 years. Was, yeah. Well, as far yeah, as... I would, I would have been comparing it more to Rockford and the latest. Yeah, um, I would too, but that, there's such a special, such a place in my heart for those two albums, for Special One and the Self-Titled. Very good. As far as the cover for me, uh, as a comic book fan, I definitely recognize what they're trying to do there. The old Batman, pow, boom, biff kind of a thing. The one thing I'd like to say about it is when you open up the the book and there's a picture of Robin in the suit, that's what Robin Zander should look like. I think it's time to, you know... No hat, too. Yeah, no hat. Thank God it was stupid dream police hat. I was going to say the same thing. The, the cover's not great, but when you open it up, it's awesome. I, I love the eat the panel for each member and the way they use the fonts from the cover for each member's name. And the, the full band picture is really good. So the once you open it up, it's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the guy's just uh, lounging on a couch or whatever. Uh, not necessarily the greatest album cover concept I've seen. but. And Rick's got that monkey's guitar. Signed by Mickey Dolans, which is very cool. He uses it in the video for When I Wake Up Tomorrow. So as a Monkees fan, that's kind of cool for me. He also used that guitar back in uh, the video for If You Want My Love, You Got It. You can really? see it. Yeah, you can, you okay. can see it there. So that's pretty cool. Well, I guess it's time to get into the track by track. And the first song is Heart on the Line. kickoff to this album michael butler please give us your thoughts on the track heart on the line you ever hear the original version from house of lords yeah Rhea's band yeah yeah what do you think of that version very similar to this version except it has those really bad um heavy metal um pull-off guitar notes other than that i like the song it's strong opener like i said it's been heard before so in a way you want to be hit with something that is new and not heard before, but other than that, it's a good, catchy enough rock opener, and I think their version is way better than the House of Lords version. Although Rick and and Robin played on the House of Lords version, mm-hmm. right, BJ? Yeah, yeah, Rick played on it, Robin, I think, sang on it, yeah, background vocals. 
Dax gets songwriting credit on this song, which I guess means he made up a new drum part for one section, I guess. Well, I mean, everyone gets a songwriting credit on this, right? Including Julian, Julian Raymond, who gets songwriting credit on every song. And Greg Jafria. Now, what's confusing about that is if you go back and look at the House of Lords record, there's one name on this song, Rick Nielsen. And uh, <laughs> there's nothing different about this. It's the same arrangement. It's the exact same lyrics. Um, so I don't see how all these other names are added to the writing credit because I don't really hear any difference between the song and the version that was on House of Lords as far as the writing or the arranging. So that's weird to me. Yeah. I would imagine that, like, to 90% of the people that are Cheap Trick fans, they're still kind of ignorant of this song. So to most of them, I would say this is a new song in that sense. Yeah, well, it was also on the Red Ant demos. They demoed it. You know, House of Lords released it in 1990, and then Cheap Trick demoed it in the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I guess considering it for an, maybe an album that would have been between... I think some of those songs were more like an album that might have been between Woke Up With A Monster and the self-titled album that just never materialized. Mm-hmm. But What do you think of the performance of the song? Sounds, oh, the performance on this entire album is fantastic. I have no complaints at all about the performance. Great production, super rocking performance. Everybody's playing top notch. Had some opinions on Dak versus Dax versus Bunny, but uh, other than that, the performance on the whole entire album is great to me. Yeah, the production on this song is really great. The guitars sound very cool. But I went back and li- I, what I did is I went back and I listened to the House of Lords version while I read the lyrics sheet of uh-huh. the. The cheap trick album it's exactly the same and i i mean it's this is an almost exact same version of the song as the house of lords version with just a better production better guitar sound everything like that but yeah, yeah. sounds awesome and a better lead singer yes <laughs> you know oh. one of the thing lyrically is it starts out with mama never told me there'd be days like this yeah. when you th- put it up against surrender mother told me yes she told me i'd meet girls like you so the mother did actually kind of warn him way back in surrender (laughs) yeah you're right (laughs) mama warned warned ronnie van zandt uh mama said something (laughs) to ll cool j list goes on some mothers tell their kids to shop around and some some tell their kids to move on exactly but the song just kicks ass. It uh, to me, it just chugs along there. It's it's like a, a it, it, it's a train building up steam, and it it just it's nice, really punch with it. So I really like the the track. So what do you give it? I give this a fully erect one. There you go. Swing up for, for Ken. He gives it a three inch one, and uh, I give it a one too. <laughs> I I. <laughs> That's fun as well. Good, strong opener. <clears throat> catchy song. Not as catchy as anything as some of the catchier songs on Special One or Red Ant album, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I wouldn't call this a great song. It's really good and sounds great. Um, I, I you know, think not the- as hooky maybe as I would like, especially for the opener. As a but fan- it does work. It does work as an opener. It's got a great vibe. So as as a fan who has been waiting for a new Cheap Trick album for all these years, you want to like it, so you like it. <laughs> well, not only that, it's got Robin Zander singing on it. So, you exactly. Know. Well, it's, it's 
you can almost not give any song a zero when Robin Zander is singing it. <clears throat> so three, what is it, Michael? Plus ones. Three plus ones on the rock and roll geek scale.
First time ever. Well, thanks for having us here today. That was really cool. All right, our next track is No Direction Home. thoughts on No Direction Home. A very good song. I like this song. This is one of my favorites on the album. Again, not as catchy as the catchier songs on Special One, Self Title, or even the latest and Rockford for that matter. But a strong song. I like it. BJ Cramp, your thoughts on No Direction Home. Yeah, this is a good song. I like it, but uh, to me it has a certain generic quality that I, you don't usually get from a cheap trick song. Totally, uh, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't really sound that much like like cheap trick. And you know, it's a pretty basic song. What did uh, you think about it when you heard them? When you saw the live versions, because they they had been pulling this out in some shows live, and they also gave this away as a free download. But but before I heard the free download, I had heard them playing this live. What did you What did you think when you first heard it on live sh- shows? If you had seen it. I think my first reaction to the song was probably slight disappointment. Uh, and why do you go up now after you've heard it on the studio? Yeah, it, it's definitely grown on me. It, it's a good, you know, pop single, but like I'm, you know, it, there's not a lot of personality here. There's, it's, it's, uh, like I said, it's uh, kind of a generic sounding song that, you know, you, you, we expect a little bit more from Cheap Trick, I think, than, than this, uh, just as far as, you know, individuality. It, it, this is a song where if you hear this, you don't know it's Cheap Trick right away. I mean, you know it's Robin Zander singing, but it doesn't. It doesn't just have that Cheap Trick personality. Yeah, you know, I that we all. I listen to this. I think it's a catchy song, but then I go back to the self-titled and listen to Carnival Game or Say Goodbye, and those songs just rip your heart out, and you're you got that chill up your spine about how fucking catchy. Excuse me, language. How catchy the vocal melody is, and you go and listen to this and go, okay, it's all right. Well, comparing yeah. anything to the self-titled '97 Red Ant album, that's to me almost impossible to do i'll go back and i'll go to special one an album that both of you guys hate i didn't i don't hate it it's just out of i i you know to me i don't care if it's ice cream flavors or beetle albums or cheap trick albums you have to have a favorite and you have to have a least favorite so i i'll compare it to hummer song you guys hate and low life and high heels and i'll go or compare it to scent of a woman or my obsession and i'll go not nearly as good as any of those songs 
I disagree wholeheartedly. I'd rather hear this than those songs. I <clears throat> Yeah, I like this better than those songs you mentioned, but I could rattle off six, seven songs off Rockford that I think are a hundred times better than this. I agree. Welcome to the world, way better, which is the opener of Rockford, way better. Takes if a it lifetime. takes a lifetime, this time you got it, give it away every it, every day. I mean, you know. Yeah. This absolutely. does not measure up to any of those. Not even absolutely. close. Yeah, you give it a plus one, and it's probably one of the stronger songs to you on the album. Well, I kind of disagree with you, BJ. I like this song better than those ones, too. Uh, really? To me, this song... How can you be so wrong, Kenley? Well, <laughs> I'm allowed to be. You know, music is... Uh, you know, we all come at it from different angles. We all uh, have different opinions, but they're not all correct. Correct, yes. But... <laughs> To me, this song is almost about the band that it themselves in the sense that they're continually on tour. This is what this song means to me. It's like, uh, you know, you find that one person you want to go in the direction that they're going, but there's really no direction for Cheap Trick ever home because they're on the road continually. You know, it seems like they're, you know, along with James Brown, the hardest working band in show business, you know, that old line. But... That's kind of what I get out of the song, and that's what it means to me. So maybe that means something different to me than it does you. I give this a plus one. Yeah, I give it a plus one. I like it. But uh, what troubles me about this album is if you look at the writing credits, mm -hmm. now the, the uh, names of the people are in a different order for each song, which says to me that usually means that the first name you see is the person that uh, had the most input on writing the song. Yeah. That's you usually how that works. So if you look at the writing credits here, six of these songs, Julian Raymond is the first name. Now that I do not like to see. I want to see Rick Nielsen's name first on a Cheap Trick album. I agree I don't want that. to see the producer's name first on half the songs. Yeah. And I... this is one of the songs where his name is first, and so is the next one. And that bothers me. I don't like that. And I think that's part of the reason that this album, while I like it, it doesn't blow me away. You know, any idea if this one has this one ever been came out on demos or anything earlier? Or any idea when this song was written? No, I think this is pretty must be pretty recent. I think. <clears throat> what do you think about the background vocals on No Direction Home? To me, it doesn't sound like you're getting a lot of Rick on background vocals and a lot of Tom on background vocals. It sounds like it's Robin doubling himself. Probably, uh, and I'm not looking at the credits, but uh, to me, the, the chorus sounds like a classic Cheap Trick chorus. Oh, it absolutely does. I just, I kind of miss back in the early days when you would have that strong thing that, it really didn't that kind of start in the 80s, BJ, where Robin would kind of fill in the, the chorus vocals as opposed to the whole band? I don't know. I mean, it depends on the song, mm -hmm. I guess. So you would like it better if Rick was singing backgrounds. I love having the whole band involved, and yeah. you know, it, in 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 all capacity. But um, I I like the background vocals; they're just fine. I just like hearing Rick occasionally, you know, and uh, that's just my my trip, man. So BJ, what what score would you give this? A plus one, definitely. Michael. But but. Uh, oh, sorry. Well, Michael said it sounds like a classic cheap trick chorus. I don't really agree. I mean, it sounds like a chorus that could be a lot, <laughs> a lot of different artists or bands. You know, it doesn't. Yes, you're right. It doesn't scream cheap trick to me. A lot of different bands were influenced by cheap trick, so I disagree. Yeah, that's true. You, B. 
BJ Crimp. <laughs> uh oh, we're gonna have a fight. No, it's a decent song. Great song, no, but a decent song. And so far, I'm not disappointed on the first two songs of the new Cheap Trick album. No, yeah, I completely so agreed. Great. Completely agreed with that. And it's it's great to have a new Cheap Trick album. So, let's move on to our third track. When I Wake Up Tomorrow, written by Julian Raymond, Robin Zander, Rick Nielsen, and Tom Peterson. This one has grown on me. I was not impressed by it the first time I heard it. Uh, Michael pointed out on his episode about this album that the opening chords are Say Goodbye. Yes. And if you compare this song to Say Goodbye, it's ridiculous. Say Goodbye is infinitely better <laughs> than this song, for, in my opinion. Million times better. Yeah, it also, so... Um, it also sounds a little like another one, too. Yeah, this is this is another one that doesn't sound very much like Cheap Trick to me. Uh, on, on the uh, Rolling, whatever whatever website or, or Rolling Stone or something that said, Cheap Trick's new Bowie-esque single. That, well, that, I remember, Ken, that, Ken you said uh, it sounds like New Wave from the 80s, which I definitely hear that kind of thing, too, with some of the, the, the melody of it. Um, I think this is a smart record in terms of it's well done. If they were looking to put something out that would feel relevant in 2016 and maybe be taken seriously by people who aren't diehard cheap trick fans then i and i think that was part of the approach here given that they're on big machine records and right you know they were gonna have a big push and so i i understand uh the approach they're taking here but you know of course being a huge cheap trick fan i would want something that is much more you know, cheap trick than this. <laughs> cheap trick coming into the studio and going, we need to sound relevant. Yeah. I want cheap trick going in the studio, being in the studio going, we're cheap trick, motherfuckers. Let's, let's do what we do best. I don't think, I'm sorry to interrupt. Well, I'll, I'll save my opinion for after you guys finish. Go ahead. Okay. Finish. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was pretty much done, but yeah, you know, I don't blame them 
for wanting to make something that would would um, appeal to non diehard Cheap Trick fans in 2016. I understand that kind of thinking, but you think this song appeals to non diehard Cheap Trick fans? I don't know, but I don't think this certainly isn't a song that is aimed at diehard Cheap Trick fans. I don't think. I think it's aimed at you know, the general public. <laughs> More, I don't know. Uh, what are they yeah, saying? So I would give it, hmm, I think I would give this one a half. Blasphemy. <laughs> what, are you, what are they saying about this song on the message, on the Cheap Trick message boards and on the uh, cheap, cheap Talk Trick Chat uh, forums? I, think, I only see people raving as if this is the greatest album that was ever made. I'm That's pretty much all I see. Song. Well, I think that when the song first came out, it left people going, what am I hearing? Because it is a departure. But in that sense, it's also, I feel, a good song. So I have no problem. To me, uh, the fact if something's a good song or not, it can overcome a lot of cinch. You know what I mean? Uh, it, is a, it is an all right song, but you know, I want to be saying great. I want right. to be saying awesome, amazing, not good. Well, you know, we were comparing this to Say Goodbye. That song is just absolutely amazing. I love that song. But I look at this as its uh, emo little brother, in a sense. You know what I mean? Okay. So what do you give it? Oh, I give it a plus one. When I first heard it, when... When I first heard it, I thought I was listening to Sirius XM's First Wave because it sounds like a song from the 80s for sure. And even the, uh, you know, everything right up until Rick's solo. That's what really makes this sound like Cheap Trick is, is Rick's solo and the very beginning chords of, you know, which are the same ones from Say Goodbye. So I love this track. It's weird having Robin Zander or the Robin Zander character in this point having to beg to be with someone. It, it just it seems like something that we don't get to have very often. Uh, but to me, I, I love this track. It's it's really grown on me from the first time I heard it up till now. I think, it's about, a, it, it, I, I think it was a smart choice for a single. Huh. How about the music video? The music video... Well, there's seeing the great monkeys guitar signed by Mickey Dolenz. That's cool. But it looked like uh, four dudes just stumbling around in the dark. I, it, 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 to me, one of the biggest problems with music videos is if you show too much, then that song becomes about what the video is. You kind of almost want to have a video that really is about nothing. I've always enjoyed the performance kind of videos. But just watching them walk around, I felt I was watching them in a... Uh, you know, a reel from either Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter where they're just stumbling around in the, you know, the, the, the films. <laughs> but so it, the, the video itself to me is not that strong. But then again, you know, it's going to do what it needs to do. And I think anybody who's not a Cheap Trick fan before, they're used to basically Cheap Trick comes down to the three songs, Dream Police, surrender and i want you to want me this sounds nothing like those so it would make people go that's cheap trick so i think that that was one of the missions i will compare this to the flame then which was the same kind of mission i think two totally different kind of things yes but it's the same kind of mission so comparing it to the flame what's a better song to you 
I think the flame is a masterpiece. I think oh. it's, you know. Oh, my God. Ladies and gentlemen, great <laughs> Ken Mills has spoken about the flame. Here's the thing about the flame. It may not be a great cheap trick song, but it is an excellent song. If that song would have been done by anybody else with that level of performance, and I'm speaking about Robin singing, I would love it. All right, so you give the song a plus. You give When I Wake Up Tomorrow a plus one, but yes. it's not as good as The Flame. Correct. Which is a masterpiece. I think that that song is a masterpiece. I think the fact that it sold what it sold and reached as many people as it has backs it up. Okay. My turn? Yes, sir. I think if Bunny Carlos was in the band when they when this song was presented to them, probably by Julian Raymond, I think Bunny would have quit the band again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go on. This song is AOR bullcrap at its worst to me. Song... The song is not catchy from top to bottom. The only thing catchy about it is the very first guitar chord, which brings to mind... Um, no, you mean no. Say Goodbye. Say Goodbye, I mean. Sorry, yeah. I don't like the song. I, as a matter of fact, I can't stand the song. I, I can't stand the video, can't stand the song. I think it's a wrong move for Cheap Trick. I don't think it's going to bring them any new fans, and they're, now we're going to be stuck listening to them play this throughout the summer on their summer tour, and that's going to be the song I get up and go to the bathroom or sit down like some of the casual fans do on all the other tunes. I don't like this song. I can't say how much more that I don't like this song. When I reviewed this song on the Rock and Roll Geek Show, I did one. I think I gave it a half, but I'm lowering my, lowering my score to zero. Wow. Even, even, with, even with Robin Zander singing, and Robin Zander to me can very rarely do any wrong, but the song just blows, in my opinion. And Julian Raymond... You should be ashamed of yourself for presenting them with this song, in my opinion. Oh, my God. Uh, okay. And, BJ, what's your score? You gave it a yeah, half. I gave it a half, but, uh, I mean, I could see where Michael's coming from. You know, I, it, it has grown on me, but, yeah, I mean... It's not catchy. There's I'm never going to want to put this song on ever in my life. <laughs> you know, I'm never going to say, I'm going to go listen to what I wake up tomorrow. That's not going to happen. You watch them doing the commentary on the YouTube thing, on the Cheap Trick YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. They sound bored with doing the commentary. They sound like they don't even want to comment on this song, and they know in their hearts that this song's a piece of crap, and they're kind of surprised that as many people like it as they do, in my opinion. Do you want Cheap Trick doing a Bowie-esque song? Not me. I want Cheap Trick doing a Cheap Trick-esque song, not a Bowie-esque song. <laughs> I love David Bowie. Nobody loves David Bowie more than me. I'm probably one of the biggest David Bowie fans of all time. doesn't sound like... It sounds like crap Bowie-esque song. It sounds like David Bowie in its crap days. Well, well you know, Ken, <laughs> uh, we've, said, we've said a lot on the show that, you know, a lot of times with Cheap Trick, it's you either get it or you don't. Mm -hmm. I don't and get, I think don't that's get. I think that's an element that's really missing on this album is that <laughs> this is a this is a kind of this song is aimed at the people that don't get it. That's that's and I, so I see Michael's point. They're I trying do. they're trying to appease the masses and I don't know where they came why they think this song is going to appease the masses but apparently since somebody since Rolling Stone or somebody told them it's such a great song the masses are buying it. I don't know if they're paying their, out of their pockets and buying it, but they're, they're buying into it. Mm. And I'm not. Damn it. And all you Cheap Trick <laughs> fans out there, don't buy into it. 
<laughs> I have spoke. Michael Butler will be seen it's not carrying us. It's not that bad, but as a hardcore cheap trick fan, I can't get on board with when I wake up tomorrow. I'm sorry. You're gonna have and to it's get no up. Hummer. Hummer knocks your dick <laughs> in the dirt. <laughs> High Heels knocks your dick in the dirt. This song doesn't. That song is carefree and carefree and just great. This song's not carefree. It's caring too much. Mm-hmm. Well, don't be shy. Let us know how you really feel. I, I, I've spoken. I'm sorry. Okay. i got to call people now at 7 in the morning. All right, brother. The, <laughs> uh, next, <laughs> the next track, Do You Believe Me, written by Rick Nielsen, Robin Zander, Tom Peterson, Julian Raymond, and Dax Nielsen. Starts out like a bouncy little pop tune, but it's kind of psychotic, so I like it. BJ, your thoughts on Do You Believe Me? I like it. This is a very early Cheap Trick song, like from the mid-70s, I think. Um, and I think there are much better songs from that era that they could have picked than this, like Flame Burning In My Heart or Oh Boy. You know, if they wanted to pull a, an old song to put on this record... They could have chosen better ones than this. Um, I like it. Again, not great. It's good, not great, in my opinion. That's, this, you know. Yeah, it, this one kind of takes me back. And, you know, that part where it starts slamming? It reminds me of something off Cheap Trick 97. And, uh, you know, I love how the lyric shifts from this, like, little pleading thing saying, you know... You, you might want to check on your girlfriend to where it turns psychotic. I love psychotic cheap trick. Anytime they're singing about suicide or something like that, I'm there. And uh, to me, I this is a plus one. Michael Butler, your thoughts on Do You Believe Me? I like the opening drums. Reminds me of a cheap trick. Yeah. I love, absolutely love the ow, 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 the, the Rick uh, mm -hmm. guitar lick. Yep. I love that guitar tone. I love the guitar lick. Starts off strong on Robin's melody. 
have not I have not heard uh, BJ said it's an old song. I have not heard the old song, so I can't compare that. Love Robin's Love No. I like Robin's melody. Then the chorus kind of falls apart for me. It's not, it's not, it doesn't, it should send you over even higher into the hooks, but then it kind of just falls off and doesn't have the hook that I want. Look, this is a song that wasn't on the first album because it wasn't good enough. <laughs> it wasn't as yeah. good as the songs on the first. So this was and demos from the first album? Well, yeah, well, this is from before the first album, yeah. Oh, okay. You know, there were several early Cheap Trick songs very similar to this song. As Rick was becoming a better and better songwriter, you know, and writing hookier let me ask you, me ask you this. this, BJ, all-knowing Cheap Trick guy. How many songs from, uh, say, my two favorites, Special One and uh, Red Ant, and even Rockford for that matter, how many of those are demos from the first, from the early albums? I, there's nothing on the Red Ant album that I know of. Uh, Special One, there's nothing that's that old, but like My Obsession was a song that they had in the 90s. Um, okay. My point yeah, being, no, the Red, yeah, the Red Ant album was a really was a really inspired piece of work, you know. That, yeah, I think all, you just as said far it as all I right. know, it was all new at the time. Yeah, I think you just said it all there. How are they out of ideas when they have to reach in when they have to go back and look for demos for the first album and make that the fourth track on this album? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you I know, there's a, a, there's a there's a couple of songs on Rockford that were earlier. Not nothing that was from that was as early as this song, and there was there's a couple on the latest. You know they've been going back through their old I demos. Know a, I know a lot of bands go through old demos, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I just wish they would have had a little bit more inspiration and didn't have to go back so far for inspiration. I give the song a half. Yeah, I give it a half too. A plus one for me. Wow, perfect <laughs> album so far for Ken Mills. Well, let's see if that trend continues. Our next track, Blood Red Lips, written by Julian Raymond, Robin Zander, Rick Nielsen, and Tom Peterson. thoughts on blood red lips i give it a plus one it reminds me of something like Susie quattro slade uh yeah. gary you glitter asked, but you asked my opinion on yes this. sir well ken mills it reminds me a little bit of Susie quattro slade and maybe some <laughs> gary glitter <laughs> yeah I like the song. It's it's kind of throwback. It's not really cheap trick. It's cheap trick doing Slade, Susie Quattro, Gary Glitter, Seven, uh, Mickey Maud, um, 
uh, what do you call it? Me, not, me, I'm not Mickey Mod. Mickey, Mickey Mod's a porn star. Mickey Most, Mike Chapman stuff. Yeah. But I like the song. Catchy tune. Ba- nice, bouncy, carefree, catchy song. I believe on your show you said you wish you'd written this. Did I say that? I think so. All right. Well, I wish I'd written this. All right. BJ, <laughs> your thoughts on Blood Red Lips? I don't really like the production on this song. I like the production on most of the record. What don't you like um, about this production? I don't really like the way the guitar sounds, and I, I'm not 100% behind the, the, the way the vocals, the, the way the, the really high background vocals. I, don't, it just, I think maybe the mix is what I don't like. Maybe See, more I, than anything. I like those high background vocals. I do, but I I think the way, the mix of the whole song, the way the song is mixed, I think it could have been done better. Uh, maybe it's just the mix. But I like this song, but it's insanely simple and kind of generic. Yeah. Um, it's catchy. I enjoy it. But if you put this on the latest of Rockford, it would be in the bottom. You know, it'd be down at the bottom if you rank the songs. It's not. It wouldn't stand out. Again, um, Julie, yeah, I agree with you. Again, Julian Raymond has first songwriting credits, which means to which to me means he brought this song to the band. They were probably sitting in a meeting, and and Julian goes, "Well, I think we kind of need kind of a '70s throwback song. Let's think Susie Quattro, or let's think uh, Mike Chapman, and how about this?" Interesting. It, it, uh, this, you know. It doesn't sound like a cheap trick song. It sounds like it could be a lot of different artists. And, you know, usually on a cheap trick album, you're going to get mostly songs that sound like cheap trick. Reminds me a little of the Pepsi song that they did. But, but again, the Pepsi song a little bit better. Yeah, I like the Pepsi song more, too. Can you clarify to people that may not know what the Pepsi song means? Go ahead. Well, it's, it was a Pepsi commercial, but then they recycled it for the latest every day you make me crazy i think it's Uh called in there it's really short like a minute and a half long again cheap on on when they did that song it's cheap trick saying we're cheap trick mother effers we're doing what we do you don't like the pepsi song that's too bad we're cheap trick this song let's do a 70s bounty song that people are gonna like but that being said i give it a plus one yeah i give it a plus one too but you know, uh, this this ranking system is kind of limited because when I think of other songs, I would give a plus one that are a billion times better than this song. <laughs> you like... have found a flaw in the Rock and Roll Geek scoring system. <laughs> the <PJ> scientific, <laughs> unscientific scoring method. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's a good pop song. It reminds me of something from the 80s albums in a sense. Uh, Listen, that being said, you uh, compare it to a new Aeros- latest Aerosmith album or something like that. You hope you hope your favorite band has has songs as good as this on their new album after what forty years or however many so- years Cheap Trick has been going and seventeen albums or however many albums they've been doing. You hope their seventeenth album is is as good as this song. So in a way, you're happy that you. That's why you give it a plus one. You're happy that they came out with a decent catchy tune and it's not just a total album full of pieces of crap. But again, as a hardcore Cheap Trick fan, you can't help being a little bit disappointed. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a very good point that we've said before. Like, even when, we were, when me and Ken were, uh, you know, putting down Special One, we still said, like, I remember I said it's better than every Foo Fighters album. And so, yeah, we hold Cheap Trick to a much higher standard then, than other bands. And yes, there's no band that has put out an album this good, this deep into their career besides Cheap Trick from my point of view. So yeah, and, that's a very good point. 
and that has rocked this hard this this far into their career. Yeah. And and this 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 album does hit you over the head. I mean, it's it they still put the punch in it. So, you know, there's no soft uh anything here. I just wish they would have hit you over the head a little bit more with the melodies. Yeah, the this album is consistently good, but it's not consistently great. Yeah. And, you know, so when I'm looking at a cheap trick record, that's a criticism, but that's not I mean, it's still a consistently good record. Well, so. where Whereas I gave Special One and and Red Ant and even Woke Up With A Monster for that matter, Cheap Trick at kind of the height of their creativity, in my opinion, I mean, this album so far, is, even though I'm giving it a high score and Ken Mills gives it a perfect score, this album, in my opinion, is kind of Cheap Trick at a kind of a low point in their creativity. Yeah, I agree. We've, we've said that something doesn't sound like Cheap Trick, but you have to like look at what that actually means and if you say it doesn't sound like cheap trick and it's the first three albums that's one thing if you say it doesn't sound like cheap i trick, say it sounds like cheap trick it yeah, does that yeah. most definitely sounds like cheap trick yes but i'm trying to make a point in that cheap trick doesn't just sound like what one person thinks of as cheap trick meaning that they have that whole beetle thing and then they have that psychotic thing and they have the pop thing you know all these different moods and, and kind of ways of being but the same band that gave us the doctor is the same band that gave us in color as the same you know what i'm saying it's all different sounds within what cheap trick is like for example if you were to say blood red lips was on another cheap trick album what album would you put it on i yeah, would probably I put it on know. the latest <laughs> mm-hmm Okay. I guess you. I guess if you uh, put some, all shook up, you know, maybe. really bad keyboard synthesizers in it, you could put it on the doctor. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's you go. actually where I was gonna put it. It yeah. would be one of the better yeah. songs on the doctor. So. But that being said, I gave it a plus one. BJ gave it a plus one, and I'm guessing. What do you give it, Ken Mills? Plus one. Oh, <laughs> so you give the doctor a plus one as well. Very interesting. Not okay. the whole album, but some songs <laughs> right. on there. So this one song would be the best song in the Doctor. Too. No, no, no. Worst song in the middle of the road Doctor. It would be a good song on the Doctor, uh, but right. not the best yeah. song on the Doctor. Hmm. Michael, I, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking. That's I, you know, no, from a cheap trick. <laughs> from a cheap trick fan, that's not a really high compliment to say it wouldn't be the best song in the Doctor. My point exactly, BJ. <laughs> yeah, but there's there's a couple songs on the Doctor that I absolutely love. Yeah, me too. I can't get past the production on the doctor. Can right, you guys not right. ask me to be on that doctor? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Above to me. Did you guys already do a doctor? No. Uh, track, uh, track? No, nope. we have not yet. No. We're saving the best for last. <laughs> okay, we're well, good. Um, our next track, Sing My Blues Away, written by Julian Raymond, Robin Zander, Rick Nielsen, and Tom Peterson. BJ Cramp, your thoughts on Sing My Blues Away? This is a really good song, and this sounds like cheap trick... Busted came out in like 1990, Woke Up With A Monster in 1994. If there would have been an album that came out in like 1992, this song would have fit perfectly on it. You know, it kind of feels like Busted. It kind of feels like Woke Up With A Monster. I like this one a lot. This is one of my favorite songs on the record, personally. To me, it sounds like Cheap Trick, so yeah. I like it. Yeah. I, I thought it was interesting with the little interviews that they put out, you know, saying what each song meant what Rick had to say about it. I'll play that now. You sing my blues away. I wanted to call it Sex My Blues Away. 
but I got outvoted. But Sing My Blues Away is not too bad. <laughs> it's good. It's great. The Sex My Blues Away is better. It's, I like the title, but oh, okay. I don't think it goes with the song on the result. Sing My Blues Away. Yeah, Sing My Blues Away. To me, it's, it's, it's a fairly strong song. I don't know if it's a second single. I almost would go with Blood Red Lips for that. Hmm. Michael, is this, is this the second single or whatever? No, or? no. I'm, I'm, but I'm, as I'm looking at these, I'm trying to think of what's the next single, you know, because they're going to have to push something. When you hear the piano on this song, the intro, it, it makes me start thinking, of, oh, 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 oh. What's that song on? Is that on Special One or, uh, or Red Ant? Yeah, 97, yeah. Love, yeah, carnival makes, game. You're thinking yeah, of right? Yeah, which there can be very, very few songs that are as good as Carnival Game. But it's this song, here. this song, takes makes me think about that and it puts a smile on my face again. Finally, they did a song that sounds great again. That being said, though, uh, Julian Raymond first first songwriting credit. But I heard. So on, well, I read on the Cheap Trick message boards that Tom Peterson brought this to the band, so I don't know why Julian Raymond gets first songwriting credit. But uh, I Tom love Tom is the last name. Yeah, I love the song. I think it's a. This is the this is the kind of song I want to hear on a new Cheap Trick album. I just wish there were more like this on this album. So I give it a big plus one. My and favorite this is song. The on song the album. This is the song that has the little guitar part from uh, "You're All I Want to Do," right? Yeah. The, you know did you guys yeah, notice right. that yeah. yeah 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 i think i mentioned that i mentioned on my on when i did a track by track on uh the rock and roll geek show i think i mentioned it it sounded like another cheap trick song which now think about that song you're all i want to do if that was on this record we'd all be saying oh my god this is the best song on the album by far wouldn't we yeah yes so i agree i i, I this that's the point throughout this entire review for me strong album but I wish I'm wishing for more as a hardcore cheap trick fan. But this song, "Sing My Blues Away," lyrically, eh. But I'll get ba- I'll get past that. It's a Great nice song. summer song. It's a nice summer song. It, it it almost sounds like we're judging this album not on what it is, but what it's not. We're judging it as three hardcore cheap trick fans who may not be the most knowledgeable cheap trick fans, but are hardcore cheap trick fans. Is how it should be judged by a hardcore cheap trick fan. And three guys that love this band. So yeah, they're my favorite band. I'm sure they're. I don't know if they. You guys probably like Kiss more, but they're my favorite. No, band. they're by no. far my favorite band, as well. So my favorite band. I'm expecting. I thank you, my favorite band, Cheap Trick, for putting out a strong album. And I'm greedy, damn it. I want a little bit more <laughs> yeah, from right. my favorite band. I well, waited the, all these years for a new Cheap Trick album. I wanted a little bit more from my favorite band, but thank you for putting out a good album. You you can't help but compare it to their other albums. I don't right, think that's right, out right. of line. No, so. no I'm not no, trying no, to compare no. it song-wise. I'm just comparing it to albums that I like, albums that I love and put a smile on my face and send a chill up my spine and make me want to tell the world how great Cheap Tricks is. This album doesn't want to make me tell the world how great Cheap Trick is. It's Cheap Trick telling the world, hey, we're still a good band. Which is not a bad thing to be said. It is absolutely not a bad thing for Cheap Trick to be doing. But as a hardcore Cheap Trick fan, and by the way, Rolling Stone magazine, don't tell me the ten songs that I have to (laughs) like as a hardcore Cheap Trick fan. (laughs) That list was garbage. Uh, Weird. 
that's a that's a guy jerking off. Excuse me, I know families. That's a guy stroking himself on, show. in writing, <laughs> telling everybody how big of a cheap trick fan he is and how he's more knowledgeable than you. I guess Ken. I guess Michael never heard the elephant song. <laughs> no, no, no. If he thinks it's a family show, uh, it's a for yeah. Well, BJ, it is a it is a family show. Sadly, it's the Manson family. Uh, <laughs> so I give "Sing My Blues Away" a plus one. We're all in agreement. Oh agreement. yeah, for sure, plus one. Yeah, three plus ones. Our next track, "Roll Me." Written by Tom Peterson, Robin Zander, Rick Nielsen, Julian Raymond, and Dax Nielsen. BJ Cramp, your thoughts on Roll Me? Uh, this is pretty awesome. This is also from the Red Ant demos. It was called Rosie on there. There you go. Huh. Um, great performance by Robin Zander. Pretty classic Cheap Trick song. Um, but I disagree in the classic cheap trick song, but go ahead. Well, classic as far, yeah, not classic 70s cheap trick song, but this sounds like a cheap trick song. I mean, yeah, again, I don't know if I love it, but I would call this one great. This is this is a fun song. I like it a lot. I agree. If, I think it sounds, so you, plus, you both give it a plus one. A uh, yeah. plus one so far. Plus ones all over the place. Perfect album for, for Ken Mills. For, I so think far. This song, I like this song a lot, and I'm glad to hear that it's a demo from the Red Ant sessions because uh, it makes sense. Maybe that's why I like it so much. The re- but it com- to me, it's it sounds like Rolling Stones' Undercover of the Night. Yeah, that feel. Yeah. But really? undercover of the that uh, and they even compare when they're doing uh, commentary on the YouTube thing. Tom Peterson says it sounds like uh, Rolling Stones can't get no satisfaction or whatever, but I but that's what made me think about a Rolling Stones song, and it sounds very similar to Undercover of the Night. Listen to both. And, and yeah, but maybe this I'm is wrong. a this is a this is a heavy aggressive song to me. Yeah, I love and Robin song. is I like shredding it. One of my favorite yeah. songs. Nice rocking tune. Yeah, I like the song. I give it a plus one. Said written by Tom Tom Peterson gets first uh, credit on this one, so maybe he brought this one to the band. Tom Peterson, bring more songs to the band, please. Yay, Tom. Which, I'm by sure the way, guys, it. I picked up his album, Rock Your Speech, Volume 1. Tom Peterson's album? Yeah. I do not have that. I need to get that. It's very good, and we're going to be doing an episode on it in the future. But it's a trip, and uh, it's it's a good cause, and I really enjoy it. But we'll we'll get to that in a future episode. So I give this a plus one. We're all three plus ones. Okay, so, so far, excellent. BJ is, or so far, uh, Ken Mills is seven out of seven. And you would think that, that that would make this the perfect album. But here we are on the track that pulls me out of it The In Crowd, written by Billy Page.
What don't you like about this song? Well, I at first I didn't really care for the arrangement. Uh, so you I, like the original a lot, then? Well, it's not so much that I like the original so much, but it, the song is growing on me. Like, I love how they put the uh, surrender kind of keyboard effect on it. You know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. And, and that's kind of cool. And I liked what Howard Stern had to say about it, that the reason they covered it was because right. they're now in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and that yeah. <laughs> kind of put a and, smile on my face. And Rick said, or one of them said, uh, yeah, we were, we were fortune tellers. We foresaw the future when we recorded the album. So he basically told Howard Stern he was wrong. Right. But thinking about it like that, I have a, more of an appreciation for the song. To me, it's a cover song, and while I love Cheap Trick doing cover songs, I also don't like it because that means that there is a Rick Nielsen song out there that I've not yet heard. So I think the performance is great on it. I don't really care for the arrangement so much because it, I don't know what kind of song it sounds like, but the, other, the original version is kind of light and breezy with a bit of punch to it. This is more straight up punch right in your face I almost could imagine ZZ Top doing this but uh, I, I give it a half oh there you go alright can I go now or BJ BJ you go Um, I don't dislike it but I really don't care about it and it's kind of unnecessary to me um, and I'm waffling whether I give it a zero or a half uh, can I give it a quarter <laughs> Listen to um, other. So I'm gonna get. I'm gonna put down a half for you. We can't. Yeah, do I'll give it a half. You gotta round up. You gotta pick. I don't hate it. You know. Listen to other covers on Cheap Trick Outs albums. Yeah. Uh, Speak now, forever hold your peace. Magical mystery tour. <laughs> right. <laughs> Magical yeah. mystery tour. Performance wise, they, performance wise, they do a decent job on on a song to that to me is not a good song to begin with. The in crowd. Right. right. But like I said, compare it to Speak Now or Forever Hold Your Peace. Compare it to Magical Mystery Tour. What other covers have they done? Oh, well, I compare Day Tripper. Ain't that, a, ain't that a shame. It's, ain't that a shame. Ain't that a shame sucks in my opinion, but that's neither here nor there. So I give it a half to. I don't think it's a great cover. Cheap Trick does the Cheap Trick's version is better than the original by leaps and bounds in my opinion, mm -hmm. but not a great cover. Not the cover I'd want to hear Cheap Trick do, but what does Cheap Trick care about what my opinion is? Good enough, give it a half. Can't give it a zero by any means, because it's, 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 it's an improvement on the original. But I don't think it's a great tune. So this is the first track that we've all agreed on that wasn't a plus one. <laughs> yeah, this is the first time all three of us, yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. To me, I was like thinking, well, how come this couldn't have been the bonus track? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that should tell you something there, huh? So that's the first dip in the album for me, really. The next track is Long Time No See It, written by Rick Nielsen, Robin Zander, Tom Peterson, Julian Raymond, and Dax Nielsen. Long time no see Michael Butler, your thoughts on Long Time, No See Ya. There's, there's another Cheap Trick song. It's got the pull-off. Like, ow, ow, 
Uh, it's an older Cheap Trick song, which I guess is a good thing, but all in all, kind of a little bit generic to me. Guitar-wise, Rick Nielsen's doing a decent job. Performance-wise as a band, fantastic job. Songwriting-wise, eh, it's just a little generic. BJ Cramp. I like this, and I think it has... It has a lot of that cheap trick personality that I was talking about to me. You know, great Robin oh, Zander performance. Me, I want to interject. I'm sorry to go, go back to my review for a second, but That's when cool. you're listening to them do the uh, commentary, put it, what I sh- almost made me want to like it is when their commentary was saying it's about drinking again after a long time <laughs> not drinking. Well, this got kind of a cool riff. Um, it kind of gets buried as the track goes on, but there's there's all kinds of different guitar parts that are actually all played live. It's not like it's not like it's all trickery in there. But uh, I could play the, the part. We got a guitar right over here. I could play the, the <laughs> my main part. And it's lucky like, winner guitar. Oh, the lucky winner guitar. Yeah, uh, I play it's because it's a rhythm. It's a rhythmic part as opposed to just chunk chunk chunk. And it's about oh, let's see, boy. Can we talk it's about a, it? It's a it's a drinking song. It's a drinking song and a non-drinking song. Yeah, it's about a person that hasn't had a drink in in 15 years. <clears throat> personally, God, am I thirsty? And um, and about somebody that has vices, and it's it's good to see your vice again. Long time no see you. Oh yes. Or it ah. could be about falling off the wagon, or falling in the wagon, or falling. It could be about a whole bunch of stuff. Long time no see you. Yeah. Long time, but but you're you're very you're reacquainted in a hurry. Like that, like the pint talking to you. Ooh, long Pints. time no see you. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've I've had drinks. Welcome. I, haven't you had drinks talk to you at night? Uh, yeah, obviously, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So in that sense, it's not so generic. When I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take back my thoughts about being generic. It's not generic. But I'm still giving it a half, but I like that subject matter. So disregard my comments. Back to BJ. <laughs> oh, I give it a one. I think this should have opened the record. I'm kind of confused why yeah. it didn't, especially well, since it seems like they considered wise. making it the title track. Title wise, yeah. Hard on the Line is a cool opening song, uh, yeah. but I think this would have this would have really worked as the opening song. Yeah, and it would have. I don't know. It, it seems like I don't know. It seems like it. Then I would have given played. the opening song a half. <laughs> yeah, I definitely give it a plus one. I, this is a, but this is another one that's grown on me. Like when I first, you know, when they were doing this live and it was up on YouTube, it was kind of like, well, this is the new Cheap Trick song. I wasn't that impressed at first, but it's definitely grown on me, and it's. Sounds really good on the record. So. I would not go to the bathroom if they played this live. But I would, and I will, when they play the Bowie-esque song. What is that instrument that's playing where it goes... That's probably either a baritone guitar or Tom Peterson's bass. I don't. I don't. I can't hear this, the part you're referring to. But if I, my memory serves me, that's what it sounds like. Hold on. I'm probably let me, wrong. Let me, let, let, let me find it.
Did you hear it? Yeah, I think that's probably a, that's probably one of Tom Peterson's twelve string basses. Like I said, or a baritone uh, guitar, or a mix of a keyboard and a guitar. BJ, I don't know. <laughs> there you go. We don't know, Ken Mills. <laughs> well, you know, it was so good to see you again uh, from an early album, and now it's just so good to see you. So. Yeah, compare those two songs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's not fair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. but it's a it's a psychotic. It's drinking a decent song. effort. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm interrupt. I'm stepping over your opinions, uh, Ken Mills. No, no. I was just going to say it's a fun, psychotic drinking song. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of cool to know what it's about. You give it a plus one, Ken? I do give this a plus one. We're back up to the plus ones for me. There you go. There you go. He's back up there. BJ? Right. Yeah, plus one for sure. Michael? I give it a half. All right. And now our next track, The Sun Never Sets. would have been the song I would have closed the album with because it seems like this is a good landing you know what I mean I like yeah. it, to me it just seems like it the the theme of this of the of the song and I love Dax's uh, who-esque kind of drum bits I love the lyrics it's to me just a, a good way to end the album but it's not the end of the album I give this a plus one Michael Butler, your thoughts on The Sun Never Sets? I give this one a plus one as well. This is probably the only song on the album that is kind of, quote, Beatlesque, I guess. Great song again? No, not a great song, but I'm giving it a plus one. It's catchy enough. I, I like the chorus. It's nothing complicated, but I like the background vocals on it, and decent <laughs> enough song. I give it a plus one. Okay, I have to say something. I've been holding for a long time. Uh-huh. Uh, here comes a butler burn. Go ahead. No, this is not a butler oh, okay. burn. Okay, okay. When yeah. I heard this song for the first time, I was in my car. I got the download, and I had to pick up the kids, so I, I got the download from Amazon, threw it on a drive, took it in the car, and I'm listening to this song, waiting for the kids, and I'm going... Is that Michael Butler singing on the background chorus? Oh well, well so let's hear. Let's, let's hear a little bit. Let's hear a little bit of me singing backgrounds. I, I, I was going to break the news on the show. I was going to break <laughs> it on the show here, but go ahead, play it. Let's hear it. Don't you hear it, BJ? It sounds like his voice. 
I'm not kidding. It sounds like you, Michael. Well, I have. That part where it's like, yeah, well, it sounds like you. Uh, why do you think I like the background vocals so much? On this <laughs> I have. I'm gonna break it here now. A, bra- a scoop for the cheap talk trick chat. They heard me on the special one review. The, band, the boys in the band heard me on this. Actually, Julian Raymond heard me on the special one review and said, "This guy knows his stuff. Let's ask him. To, this guy actually gets low life and high heels and Hummer." <laughs> Let's throw this guy a bone and ask him to, to mail in a background vocal track on a song. And that, that friends, is me uncredited, so they don't have to pay me. But you got it right here on the Cheap Talk Trick Chat podcast. That's Michael Butler, your friend, doing background vocals. So I got to give it a plus one for that reason only. Well, there you go. <laughs> but seriously, it, it sounds so much like you to me. I mean, oh, I've that's heard good. you sing. I got the great, the background vocals on this song are actually the best background vocals on the entire album, in my opinion. No, I take that back. I do like the background vocals on the opening track a little bit more, but I love the background on this song. Very good. BJ Cramp, your thoughts on The Sun Never Sets. This is one of my favorite songs on the album, but definitely the chorus is better than the verse. And maybe it could it could use a nice bridge in between the verse and the One chorus. One of your favorite songs on the album, but if it was on special, if, well, not special. If it was on the Red Ant or the Latest or Rockford, it probably wouldn't be one of your favorite songs, would it? Not even close, right? Yeah, and that's I guess that's the big problem with this album is there there's not a there's not one song on this album that stands out as really great uh, and obviously my favorite for me. Well, sing my blues away is up there to me. Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's uh, might be my favorite. I would say my favorites are that "Roll Me" and and this, so they're all at the end. <laughs> well, you get this but, one uh, a plus one. Yeah, definitely. A plus one for me. And what did you guys think of that? Who like drum break? I uh, re- play it for me. Refresh my memory. Got it. That's very good. Yeah, Dax sounds great on the entire album. Actually, I like he does. Dax is actually a fantastic drummer. There, there is uh, a weekly sh- uh, show that happens in a bar in Nashville called Rock and Roll Residency mm-hmm. that a friend of mine puts on, uh, and uh, Robin and Dax go there frequently and perform and. Dax sounds way, you can really tell how great of a drummer Dax is by watching uh, YouTube videos of this rock and roll residency stuff. I suggest everybody go look for that stuff on YouTube. You'll hear how great of a drummer Dax is. That being said, I wish, I think the album could be a little bit stronger. No, no diss to, to Dax because like I said, Dax is a fantastic drummer and saved the band in my opinion. But, uh, but uh, that also, I, but I do love that, that drum part, Ken Mills. On, yeah, I have no problem with Dax as a drummer, but I also, when I was first listening to this album, you can tell it's not Bunny Carlos playing. I don't really know how, but yeah, it you can tell. It, but I don't think that would, cha- I don't think that changes the quality of the album at all because it really yeah. comes down to the songs. I, I, I agree, you're right. But right. yeah, I have no problem with Dax as a drummer at all. But uh, yeah, on the it's other not hand, funny. <laughs> he does not get songwriting credit on this on this song. Yeah. 
on the other side of that coin, uh, no disrespect to Bunny. I don't think that... Uh, I don't think they'd be doing another album if Bunny correct, was still in the band. Correct. Uh, you know, having said, said all that, Dax is fresh and... Uh, That's why Dax saved the band. You know, he's got a lot of power there and uh, I welcome him. You know, so Dax Nielsen, come on our show. We love you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we have a new Cheap Trick record. So, plus one? Yep, across the board, I think. <laughs> yeah, plus one. I know that I said that I would probably have closed the album with that, but here's the album closer in proper, you know, not taking into account the Japanese bonus tracks. All Strung Out, written by Julian Raymond, Robin Zander, Rick Nielsen, Tom Peterson, and it seems like the boys are trying to get their inner Velvet Underground out. <laughs> Butler, your thoughts on All Strung Out? It's interesting you said that. I, I feel the same way. I like when it starts off. It starts uh, when the beginning of the song, the na, 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 it harkens back, reminds me of another Cheap Trick song. Uh, what's it? Uh, na, 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 I don't, it, it's not on the, it doesn't come to me right now, but it sounds a little bit similar to another uh, Cheap Trick song. Maybe... Maybe the Pepsi song. I don't know. It, neither here nor there. It, then it goes into Velvet Underground territory, which I'm not a huge Velvet Underground fan, right. so it loses me right there. Yeah, cool. Julian Raymond, first songwriting credit. I, th- I would have thought maybe because of that, maybe Tom Peterson would have had some songwriting credits because he's the one that uh, waited for my man, all that stuff. But uh, <laughs> yeah, too much Velvet Underground for me. Not enough cheap trick. Okay, BJ Cramp. Well, I love the Velvet Underground. <clears throat> I think um, I think what people are hearing is more Lou Reed solo. Uh, you know, Lou Reed sang most of the time in Velvet Underground. Didn't do like the speaking thing mostly until later. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, I'm not a I one of my least favorite Velvet Underground songs for sure is "Waiting for the Man." So, but there's great uh, Velvet Underground stuff that's way better than this. I think uh, you were right, Ken. Sun Never Sets should have closed the album. And it's kind of unfortunate that it didn't. This is definitely my least favorite song on the record, and not uh-huh. a very good, not a very good use of Robin Sanders. You voice. like this one even less than when I wake up tomorrow. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. I, I don't like this song. This is the only song in the album that I just don't like at all. That mean that that mean a zero from? Yeah, this is a zero for me. <laughs> so Ooh. then, so BJ, would you also say this could have been a bonus track? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Although I haven't heard, 
I'd never give up or whatever the bonus track yeah. is. So I don't know if that should replace. You know, they could have just made it a ten-song album. <laughs> that probably would have been the better option. But it also shows them uh, expanding and trying something different, which is admirable and good. I don't think it's it's different for Cheap Trick, but it's yes. not original at all. No, no, no. But having said that, I give it a half. All right, so Ken Mills and Michael Butler are in agreement, and BJ gives it a zero. So we're ready to tally this thing up? Yes, sir. (laughs) Ken Mills gives it a... I have the scorecard in front of me. Anybody else have the scorecard? No, we're counting on you. All right, Ken Mills gives it... I took them all down. It looks like Ken's a 10, right? Uh, let's see here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and then two halves. Ken Mills gives it a 10 out of 11. Almost the perfect album. Ken Mills loves the new Cheap Trick <laughs> album, Bang Zoom Crazy Hello. Damn loves straight. it. Damn straight. Ken Mills, you're going to be very popular with the people on the Cheap Talk Trick Chat boards of Facebook. I am the leader of millions. Okay. BJ Cramp. Let's tally his up. One, two, and a half, half, that's three, four, five, six, and a half, seven and a half, eight and a half out of 11. Is that that's right? Eight and a half, the original Next Position Please album title. Yeah. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah. Nice. They gave that one an eight and a half out of 11. Michael Butler, me, the guy talking and who, who sang background vocals on <laughs> Sun Never Set. <laughs> I give it an eight out of 11. So I gave it the lowest score out of all three of you guys. All, but all three scores are pretty high scores. I think we're all in agreement that we all like the album. We're all happy Cheap Trick did a new album. We're, we're, we're pleasantly surprised that they did an album that sounded as good. When I, when I was hearing uh, the, the songs that were released, you know, in, in sporadically they would release one and, right. you know, free. I was afraid to listen to this album. The, the, the day it came out, from I got it on Pledge Music, and the day it, the day, uh, it was released, I, my downloads came, and I was afraid to listen to it. I was afraid I was going to be extremely disappointed. So in, in that sense, when you're, watching, when you're expecting to go see a crappy movie and it turns out to be a half-decent movie, you're pleasantly surprised. So in that sense, I was pleasantly surprised how good this album is. And, but that being said, I... After I was pleasantly surprised, I was left wanting a little bit more from my favorite band. Well, that's good, because now that they're on Big Machine Records... What does that mean, anyway? Oh, that means they'll be putting out more albums. Yes. Well, let's hope they get back to their creativity a little bit more. And executive producer Scott Borchetta on this album, he's really seemed to open up the, uh, the doors for Cheap Trick on this. I mean... This is the album that's getting the strongest promotion that I remember the band getting in a very long time. Well, let's hope it sells well. Yeah, let's hope it does. Uh, uh, Rock and Roll, uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is going to do a lot for their back catalog and probably the sales of this record as well. Here's a question I have for you guys. Who's the MVP of this album? If you were to pick someone to be the MVP, who would it be? I'd probably have to pick, as bad as I have to say it, I'd have to pick probably Julian Raymond. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think, I think, I, well, and I don't, I don't know for a fact, but I had heard through the grapevine that Julian Raymond is the, is the reason they even did another album. He's the one that pushed them to even get back in the studio. So in that sense, I would have to give it to, to, to Julian Raymond. But as far as if you need to be somebody from the band, i got to give it to Dax Nilsson. 
Hmm. Okay. BJ Cramp, your MVP for this album. Well, I wish I could give it to Rick Nielsen for songwriting, but I, I'm going to have to give it to Robin Zander, <laughs> which Great is you know, a pretty obvious choice. Yeah. Uh, Julian Raymond, I think the production is, is good on the record, but it bothers me that he seemed to have too much input into the songwriting and song selection, and I don't like that. I don't like seeing his name first on so many of the songs, um, so that bugs me. But it does. It sounds really good. Very good. Well, as far as in the band, it's a toss-up between Robin Zander and Dax Nielsen. Dax, thanks for coming into the band and giving us some new life. Robin, thanks for being a pro all these years and keeping it going. Thank you, Rick Nielsen. Thank you, Tom Peterson. So to me, it's a toss-up between those two. If you're going to pick someone outside of the band, Julian Raymond's a good pick, but we also have to give a big thumbs-up to Scott Borchetta. Thank you for giving our boys a home to put a new album out. So let us know who your VIP is for the new record, Bang Zoom Crazy Hello. Well, there you go. Three huge Teep Trick fans. Take, back to, take, it, <coughs> take it away, Ken Mills. Let's wrap, wrap it up for us. Okay. We thank you for listening to Cheap Talk, your show about Cheap Trick. This is the year of Cheap Trick, it seems, and we're glad to be a part of it, and it is so good to see you again. And we will see you on our next episode where we will air your thoughts on the new Cheap Trick album, Bang Zoom Crazy. Hello! So if you would like to email us a file, an MP3 file, for our next episode or any episode, we love hearing from you folks, email us at cheaptalktrickchat, one word, cheaptalktrickchat at gmail.com. So we look forward to hearing from you. We thank you for being part of this episode. And we will see you on the next episode of Cheap Talk. And that's our show. Trick Chat is an online nonprofit audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to Cheap Trick or any of their members past or present. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes to buy it. If you enjoyed this show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying keep cheap trickin'.